Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 53. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week we'll be talking about the 2014 horror comedy Tusk. And before we even get into this, I just want to say, listeners, <laughs> this is a bonkers one. It's pretty ridiculous. I was expecting it to be really bad for a variety of reasons. Okay. But it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's... We'll talk about why I think some people wouldn't like it. It is a I don't know if I liked it or not, really. Silly horror movie. And if you don't want to know what it's about, get off this ride in the next five seconds. Yeah, because we're going to get into it. And it's it's kind of... I went into it knowing, like, nothing except that it was... That there was podcasting involved. Um... And then it was called Tusk, so I had some sense of, like, this is going to be related to Tusks somehow. But it's really fun to go in knowing absolutely nothing. So if you plan on watching it, if you like Kevin Smith, if you like Justin Long, if you like anything that you've heard about it, just get off right now because, you know. But I don't know that I recommend it if you haven't heard of it. Because this movie is about a serial killer who turns people into walruses. It's very similar to... The human, human centipede. centipede, if the human centipede were kind of funny and less and, gross. And well made. Yeah. Like made professionally. One of the things we talk about with the in our we talked about in our human centipede episode is that not only is the human centipede a very bonkers, disgusting premise that like grosses you out, it's also bad. Like it's poorly written, it's poorly acted, it's poorly shot. Like there isn't anything good about that movie. This movie is made like by a well-known director who makes like who has made good movies in the past like it's it's a movie uh it's just that if you have problems with the premise you may not like it well let's talk a little bit about the background so this is directed by kevin smith who i don't have a sense of the uh general pop culture knowledge of kevin smith if that's like a household name because i have a very long-standing relationship with him uh when i was a a young tween Movies like Clerks and Mallrats and Chasing Amy and Dogma were extremely important to me. Mm -hmm. um, part of the foundation of my like indie cinema knowledge. I I look back on that a little with raised eyebrows. I think a lot of the jokes have aged badly and some of the filmmaking is not that good. It is very much of a time and place. And obviously Clerks is very important for indie cinema in so many ways. And his whole filmography is so connected to Harvey Weinstein in ways that I think that Kevin Smith, the man in 2017-18, has done a very good job of addressing. I was going to say, he's really talked about his own struggles with that and wanting to distance himself, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, he's doing what he's all filmmakers the best should be doing. Can. Yeah. But it, it's a lot of very sophomoric, very... Uh, yeah, he makes, like, like, white boy humor, right? Like, does, like, young, white, like, teenage white boy humor. And very, like... Sophomoric and sexual and dirty. Yeah, and I will and... say, like, Kevin Smith is a household... This is my... Like, yeah. I think we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum of this, in that I know who Kevin Smith is. I don't know who he is, but, like, I have never seen any of his movies. This is my, probably my first Kevin Smith You haven't Smith seen Red movie. State? Oh, the Red State was him, right? I Red State was his... So he, first horror movie. Lately, he's doing horror comedies, and he made Red State and right. this, and there's a spinoff of this called Yoga Hosers, uh, and this is sort of what he's... Do he's making a movie yeah. that's, like, Jaws Red with State's a moose. really, un like unlike him though because red state isn't really funny at all no it's more serious it's and i more think serious. it needed to be that's why i forget that it's him this movie doesn't feel like a kevin smith movie except for the parts where the jokes are so so painful there's a running joke about 
Justin Long and Haley Joel Osment having a they're, they have a podcast that's called the Not C Party N O T S E E. Yeah, because Justin it's not Long. Worth, it's yeah. You don't want to talk about it. It's so it's not. It's stupid, but like I actually think what I was going to say about Kevin Smith and like uh, his apparent growth over a time mm-hmm. period is that that's a joke, but it's deeply frowned upon. I think by the movie. Like, I don't yes. think we're supposed to think that they are good or funny. Like, I think the person we're supposed to align ourselves with for the entire movie and who we, like, our our moral compass is Justin Long's girlfriend, Allie. We're, I'm, I don't want to get too run away with these characters. The point is, is that, like, this is like a, we'll get it, we'll get it to it in a second. The premise is that the, the protagonist and his friend are really awful people, and that the jokes that they make are supposed to be, like, kind of funny, even if we're cringing at them. And I think that I have... I guess that doesn't, like, really work for me in 2018. And, like, it's not Kevin Smith's fault that, like, the way we talk about Nazis in 2014 is different than the way we talk about Nazis say, now. I was gonna say, it's not 2018, it's 2014. Yeah. And, like, Nazis were not as big a problem in 2014 as they are now. It's still in bad taste. It's still yeah. not funny. Like, the movie... And I, I disagree with you. The movie knows it's not funny. They don't get taken seriously in the movie by the police because it's such a bad name and it's so immature and Allie is telling them the whole time that they're, like, that that this is, a like, a bad, like, hill that they're now dying on. Yeah, it's... It's complicated. I think we should talk more... Let's revisit this when we sort of get more into how the movie feels about its protagonist. Sure. Because I think we'll loop back around to that once we've yeah, absolutely. given the listener more. I think that's enough setup, though. This is... It It feels more like a Kevin Smith movie than Red State does, but it, it is a horror is. movie. It's still... It's 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 very similar to The Human Centipede. It is. Like, if you just picture that premise of, like, unsuspecting idiot bumbles into mad scientist lair. Yeah. And... This mad scientist has sort of a lifelong um, goal of transforming a person into something else via lots of medical horror. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I think that this was also like the human centipede, and that like I wasn't really ever scared horror movie wise because I think every kind of horror movie trope you could see coming like a yes. mile away. Um, but I was grossed out in the way that medical gore horror mm-hmm. like is disgusting so justin long plays wallace brighton who has a podcast with Haley joel osmond's character whose name teddy. is teddy and justin long is going north you don't think we need to explain why it's called the nazi party i don't understand it it's that justin long is the one who goes out and interviews people and then he comes back and he describes it to Haley joel osmond well, and they also, they're making fun of viral videos, not I not seeing. Well, yeah, yeah, they they look at viral videos, then they, like, he goes to find and meet those people. It's a premise that makes no sense, because it's an audio medium where they look at viral videos. It's dumb. It's really stupid, especially because um, they clearly are calling it the Nazi party because they want to call it the Nazi party. Yeah. Like, they're not, it doesn't make, it, the name doesn't make sense because they clearly worked backwards from Nazi. <laughs> Like, yeah. that's the joke. But again, their premise doesn't make sense. Yeah, yes, because their viewers can't watch what they're watching. Right. Like, the point is, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, them it's like, like Talk Soup. It's like, uh, whatever that other show was that was on Comedy Central. Where, like, you watch a clip and you make fun of the, the right, guy falling down. but they're down. doing it only audio-wise. Exactly. And, yeah, it doesn't, no, it's stupid. And they have a lot... This isn't like their dumb podcast. Like, they make a ton of money from this. They go to, like... 
VidCon. Do they say VidCon or just like whatever? Just some convention. Some convention. Um, and they like make a lot of money from this. Like they they talk about like, oh, we make all this money from ads and that, that doesn't even get into like merchandise and all this bullshit or whatever. Like this movie they are really, very popular. really predicted like dirtbag like white boy podcast culture in a way that is so impressive. Right. It's actually wild that this was in 2014 because like that's now. Well, it comes from it, the the idea came from an episode of Kevin Smith's podcast uh, with Scott Mosher, Smodcast, where they were like looking at a, um, a Craigslist ad and they started like riffing on this idea of a man turning someone into a walrus. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and they decided to make a movie about it. Uh, still no idea how A twenty four funded this, uh, <laughs> but like Kevin Smith, who has been podcasting for God, I don't know 10, 15 years, like is not dirtbag podcast culture. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a very different kind of thing. Like he, regardless of whether or not I like his content or not, like it's not. I'm just gonna fire some shot. It's not Chapo Trap House, right? Like it's not Come Town. Or any of these other Which garbage podcasts. Which you are comparing yeah. Nazi podcasts to. That's what like, the Nazi yeah, yeah. party is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, like, just shitty white dudes making fun of things in poor taste. And I will say, like, as a person who was not really, like, didn't really know anything about podcasting in 2014, like, I got into the podcast game kind of when everybody else did. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody else, I say, like, you know, mainstream-wise. Um, in 2014, like... I don't think people, like, regular people were listening to podcasts with the fervor that they do now of, like going to conventions, like, buying merchandise. Like, if someone in 2014 had been like, oh, I really love this podcast, I would have been like, cool, I don't really know. I mean, there was nothing... Serial came out after this movie, and Serial was, like, the... The first podcast. First podcast. (laughs) And... uh, there, There wasn't a culture of, like... They've got a bunch of... Is it Patreon? They don't say Patreon. No, but, like, some people are funding Basically, yeah, like, yeah, Patreon, yeah. that people are paying just to, like, get their Listen content. Listen and support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, which it, is a huge thing I'm now. Like, did Kevin Smith predict podcasting? The podcast culture? Like, it's Podcast so culture, funny. for sure. Yeah. I listened to so many Kevin Smith podcasts in high school and college. Um, yes, we all know that you got into podcasts before anybody else. I just want to remind people. No, that's not, <laughs> that's the point. Uh, so he's going to Canada to, and this is a. Um, there are specifics, but the point is that it is a a cartoon Canada. It is like the, yes. the concept of Canada. Yes, that he goes to to interview a kid who cuts his leg off. His both his legs, doesn't he? Is it both at once? It's both at once. He's it's like a kid. It reminds me of Star Wars. It's kid. Star Wars kid. Star yeah. Wars kid, but he's using um like a machete or a samurai a, sword. A katana is that what they call? They call him the Kill Bill kid. They call him the Kill Bill kid because he's using a. Isn't it called a katana? Yes. Okay, he's using a katana, and he accidentally slices his legs off in some real shitty, uh, CGI. Yeah. <laughs> and so Justin Long is going to interview him, but oh, woe is the Nazi party because when he gets there, the kid has already killed himself. Yeah, out of shame. Ooh, bummer. Uh, so does it reflect well on podcasting? <laughs> no, well, it doesn't reflect well on this exploitative bullshit. Again, yes. the movie knows, and he's really is... disappointed. Uh, like, but not in like a actual sympathetic way. Like, he's a shitty dude. So, we already knew this, but it, this is like made manifest now yeah. that he, all he cares about is like, but what about my episode? He goes. There's a lot of scenes of Justin Long pissing in this movie. Uh, one of these, he's in a bar bathroom and he sees a like a letter on a wall. The way that they're like bulletin boards and yeah, yeah, bathrooms. Yeah. 
that is a man talking about the exciting life he's lived. And he's like, I want someone to come to my house and listen to my stories of... And live with me. He, he wants sailor. someone to, like, yeah. come... He's, like, looking for a roommate, essentially. But he's like, I've got lots of stories. And to Justin Long, who's looking for a quick... A story. A story episode. He's like, here I go, out to uh, where this dude lives. The key, there's a phone number, but there's no address, right? He right. gets the address from the... When he calls. This man, who lives in a mansion called Pippi Hill... Is... Isn't it in Bifrost, too? Yeah, it's in a place called Bifrost. But, but, which was felt specifically... Um... Like a Canadian joke? No, it actually... I thought it was, um, like, Asgardian. Like, the Bifrost. Yeah. I think, it's, I think that's where it comes from. I don't know that it's... I don't know the purpose of its placement here. I thought it was kind of meant to be that he was traveling between worlds. That's interesting. I don't know. Maybe. It's a little... Um... On the nose. No, I was actually going to say, like, it's a little, like, I don't think... Actually, that I'm going to take that back completely. I was about to say that this movie is not super intrigued by metaphor, but I actually disagree with myself. I think that it's very interested in metaphor in an, in an on-the-nose way. So I actually think that this the Bifrost being, like, he's going to the place of legend or whatever is actually yeah. pretty pretty consistent with what happens later. So he gets to the house. He meets a man named Howard Howe, played by the late Michael Parks, uh, who's also the villain of Red State. Is uh, he really? Yeah. I didn't He's even the, know like, that. Preacher. Yeah. I saw Red State a really long time ago, and I was not watching it for the plot. Fair enough. He is in a wheelchair. He talks about meeting Ernest Hemingway. He talks about being stranded at sea. Um, War. Just to just to zoom past in Normandy, this, right? Yeah. He he poisons Justin Long. When I talked about horror tropes a, I could yeah. see coming from a mile away, I was like, don't drink the tea, Justin He goes Long. to the creepy house, and then he wakes up, and... He drinks the goddamn tea, and the whole time he's going, oh, what's in this tea? It's so good. And I was like, drugs, roofies, get the fuck out. He wakes up, his leg has been cut off, and uh, Howard Howe starts telling him a story about how there was a spider, <laughs> and the spider bit his leg, and then they had to cut off had the to leg. to amputate it. It was a brown recluse, yeah. which actually really terrifies me. I'm so scared of brown recluses. They look like normal spiders, and they can just murder you like with a one look, and it just... I got very... That is the scariest part of this movie for me, even yeah. though it's completely fake. <laughs> can I say real quick, I yeah. do think Justin Long plays this jerk so well. Justin Long has really flitted around... Um, roles wise for like a long time he played like you know kind of this the goofy but lovable teen you know he was a jason biggs type for a while he was yeah, yeah. I, I think of him specifically and accepted that's like my major that's a jason biggs type yeah, for sure. that's what i'm saying like he's goofy but lovable and he's got schemes but you like love him and he's not really traditionally handsome um and then like he kind of went away and I feel like now he's surfacing more doing, like, weird stuff. There was that really bad uh, movie that we watched a while ago where he was playing, like, the romantic comedy guy, but it was terrible. I don't know it what that doesn't movie work. was. I can't remember it. It doesn't work at all. It was like a like a coffee shop romance, and yeah. it was just real stupid, everybody. Don't watch it. I don't remember what it's called, but don't watch it. <laughs> it has Peter Dinklage in it so weirdly. And David Richard Wood. Yeah. Why is it so bad? It has an incredible cast. But him in this role, he's got a shitty mustache... Uh, and he is just the worst. And it works really, really well. Because I think that he pulls off a dork, like a nerd, yeah. who got big and got, like, too big for his britches. And is cocky and shitty, And, like, yeah. used to be, like, sweet and nice. Because his girlfriend is banging. Yeah. And so it comes across that, like, when they got together, it was because he was legitimately, like, a good dude. Right? Definitely. So now that he's, like... 
you know, too big. He's got all these ads. He grew this disgusting pedophile mustache. He's just awful. It's like, oh, now why would she be with him? He's not that hot, and he sucks. He sucks a lot. He sucks a lot. Justin Long is really good at making us hate him in this movie. I think so, too. You know who else does a great job? Is Michael Parks. Oh, so good. Everything that he says is like... it's, It's your typical old man, like, a little too formal, like, speaks in, like, literary quotes nonsense. Yeah. But it's so good. It's delivered so well. All all of his lines, everything that is written for Michael Parks in this movie is so good, because he'll quote, like, I don't know, the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Yeah. And then he'll stuff say stuff like, to solve a question older than the Sphinx, since we ever stood erect and faced the sun, is man indeed a walrus at heart? <laughs> and it's like, you sucked me into like this pseudo-intellectual insanity. Yeah. But he's playing a, a truly convincing madman. Yes. And there's a point which later that he has sort of an alter ego that we end up seeing. He probably has many. Right, right? but we end up seeing another one. This guy is a chameleon of disguises. And the performance is just so transformed that it's incredible. Yeah. He's He's great. I think that everyone in this movie is actually, like, acting pretty well. Um, Allie and Haley Dawson as Teddy don't really get much to do, but they do what they do fine. But uh, Justin Long and um, Michael Park, is that what his name is? Michael Parks. Michael Parks are doing, like, incredible. And I think that, like, another part of this, just to move on with the plot a little yeah. bit, another part of this movie that I really enjoy is that I think things play out... In a, in a in not a usual way. Like, up to this point, it's been very, like, ah, yes, horror movies. Yep. But, like, Justin Long gets a hold of a phone. He gets his phone. Yeah. Michael Parks, like, leaves him alone for long enough that he wheels himself in to get his phone. And that never happens in horror movies. Right. In fact, like, I've heard a lot of filmmakers talk about how, like, oh, phones, they make things so much harder because if you have a phone on you, you can just do whatever you want. And this movie plays well with, like, he, he leaves messages for his girlfriend and Teddy, uh, like, here's... I don't really know where I am, but I'm somewhere near Bifrost. This guy took my leg. It's not a joke. I know you're going to think it's a joke, but I'm not joking. Like, he leaves those messages. They get them the next morning, the way that, like, people would if he, le- if he left in the middle yeah. of the night. They have to get to Canada. And they, like, have to go find him. And they have to go find him. And, and that's a whole they, plot. And they movie. work super hard there's no misunderstanding of like maybe he's joking oh wait he's not like they take him seriously from minute one it was just i thought this was one of the best parts of like sometimes you can do things correctly yeah right like there's no shenanigans of like not being able to get to him quickly enough like they just have to go through customs and like fly and then they don't have all the information that they could have It's just, I, I thought it was well done of, I like, yeah. so many people can be doing the right things and they still don't get there in time. I think this is what works is because the plot splits here that um, about half the movie is us seeing Justin Long slowly get transformed into a walrus. His skin gets sewed to, like, this sort of walrus suit. Mm-hmm. Um, he turns his leg bone into tusks. Into tusks. That's, like, the worst part to Yeah, me. he like, sews Ugh. his arms uh, to his sides. Mm-hmm. Again, it's very horrifying. It's really bad. But while this is going on, it cuts, bet- like, between that and Teddy and Allie trying to, like, find him. Find him. And very satisfyingly retracing his steps in a way that I loved. Yeah. Like, they go to the police. The police aren't really helpful. And this is actually where, Should like, we talk about who they yes, came up I with? Yes, I know. I think we absolutely should, because this was probably my favorite part of the movie, ironically, because I despise the person we're about to talk about. They find a, a uh, I guess, disgraced, a 
yeah. rogue detective, mm-hmm. um, also Canadian, uh, he's Quebecois, uh, named Guy Lapointe, and... Played by, in prosthetics, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we realize this and we're like, oh no, like, ugh. It's absurd, though. I, I He just looks kind of a- like he does, just to give kind of a sense, he looks kind of like he does... Not hair wise, but nose wise, in his cameo in Twenty One Drum Street, like yeah. he's got prosthetics on, and there's a moment where I didn't know that it was him, and I was like, "Who is that?" But well, then it, it becomes him very quickly. I just want to say I did know that he would be in this movie because I've been aware of this movie as long as it's existed, right. even though I hadn't seen it. Uh, I knew that Johnny Depp would show up, but I thought it would be a cameo, just uh, like Twenty One Drum Street. Yeah, no, he's in this movie for like probably the last third, right? Yeah, Isn't him coming in kind of the end of the final act, you would think. Yeah, the yeah. last third. Uh, I also just want to say this up front. This is my favorite Johnny Depp performance. In years. A decade? Yeah. Maybe 20 years? Like, not well, 20. What do we think the last good one was? I think the last good one was, like, around Secret Window, which is, Yeah, like, yeah, because I don't think he was good in Sweeney Todd, right? That was no. too, like, Tim Burton-y and bad, yeah. and his singing wasn't good. So, yeah, probably Secret Window. You like him in Fighting Pirates. Neverland, which is the same I era. do like him, but and that's, like... He doesn't do much, but he's very normal and nice in that movie, which actually did become unusual for Johnny Depp. Corpse Bride, which is just voice acting, yeah. but it was good. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a bad actor who's also a domestic abuser. Yeah, and I when I see his face, I get upset Me in twenty eighteen. Me too. Uh, that was my reaction to this, and then he won me over because he, it's a yeah. good performance. It's a great performance. He sticks it so hard. Uh, and I guess it's the kind the of thing is like timing, especially Johnny Depp. You can't be a bad person and a bad actor, but like yeah. if you do one of them, if you are either a good person or a good actor, I will forgive you for the length of this movie. Like yeah. he did a really good job with this character. It's incredible character work. And again, a, he disappeared into it. Yeah, it's a very dry like comic performance, but he's so funny. <laughs> like, it's so I hate weird. It. I hate it. Yeah. But it's so funny. He guides them through. It's it's a great moment because we saw Justin Long um, get... Like, we saw him on his little journey to get to Michael Park's house, yeah. where he, like, goes and buys a big um, like 7-Eleven Slurpee, essentially, yeah. like a big Coke. Um and then he like goes and talks to these girls at the counter who are then the stars of Yoga Hosers, right? Yes. The like convenience store. It's girls. Kevin Smith's daughter and Johnny, and Johnny Depp's, Depp's daughter. daughter, which is just wild. Talks to them and then he gets in the car and goes, but he was on the phone with, with Michael Parks talking to them, so they have information. And Johnny Depp, as Guy Lapointe, is like, what are his habits? What would he do? Yeah. Uh, also, great accent. Like, again, sticks the accent so yeah, hard. Yeah, his Quebecois English. Is, it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and also so dry and funny. I hate it. I hate it so much. Stop it. I do want to say, uh, I don't know that it's accurate. I think it is. I can't speak to that. I just, if we have Quebecois listeners, I don't want them to be like, oh, Ooh, these idiots. Please I don't know. tell us. Uh, if anyone is Quebecois out there, But it let nails it because it's like, it's the uncanny value like of, it's not exaggerated in a way that's, like, silly. No. Like, ho, ho, ho. It feels... It feels... Well, that's the thing. When I was like... I, he doesn't ever say... He says he's from Quebec, but I was like, I hear the French. Yeah. And I hear the, like, the Canadian. Like, they they both come in there. Um, and I've and also knowing heard, Johnny Depp, I'm sure he took it so seriously. I think he probably did, honestly. <laughs> I don't think that he, like, took this for granted. Uh, and so I think that, like... Th- so then he says to them, like, what are his habits? What would he do if he's driving for two hours? What would his plan be? And Allie is like, he likes to get those big slurpy things. Slurpy things. And I was like, oh my God, that's beautiful. 
like watching it, I was like, she's not going to know, or she's going to say something totally off base. And it was like, no, this is his girlfriend. And she like, she knows him and loves him. It was just, it played more into the like, sometimes you can do all the right things and it can still be too late. I'm, I'm interested in that, you know, as a horror movie concept, there were no like weird shenanigans. They played it all very well. I felt. I agree. And there's just, it's great seeing Johnny Depp interact with the yoga hosers girls. They're very funny. Yeah. Um, he does the thing I knew he'd do. I love it. Where like Justin Long wrote on a pad of paper where he was going and then took the top off, but it was only like a few days ago. So he can use the pencil trick where you Mm -hmm. view it and you can see what the last thing written down was. Like, I love that. And they use that and they successfully get to, it all works where to Howard Howe's house, um, Howard Howe's house, uh, (laughs) where Justin Long is, um, before those plot links converge, we should talk about what's happened, which is the gist of why this is happening is revealed in many, many, many monologues. Over the course of this, yeah. While he does things like sharpen femurs into tusks and sew things together. Yeah. uh, And then just sit and talk to him. Like, he just sits and talks to him at certain parts. Howard Howe, or this person, because Howard Howe could be a pseudonym. Probably is. Um, Well, no, because Johnny Depp knows his name is Howard Howe. He's like, I'm tracking a serial killer named Howard Howe. So this is his, like, actual name. But he uses other aliases, like, along the way. Howard Howe was lost at sea in the Arctic, and he survived for, I don't know, six weeks. He made a friend with a walrus named Mr. Tusk. Mr. Tusk. But then he was going to starve, and he had to kill and eat Mr. Tusk, his beautiful friend. But, like, right before he got rescued. Right before he got rescued, (laughs) and he's never forgiven himself. So what he's doing is he's turning victims into walruses so that he can then get in a walrus suit and fight them walrus a walrus so that it's a fair fight because he feels guilty so guilty of over killing his friend mr tusk so he mm-hmm. turns people to walruses and if they don't die or kill themselves he engages them in combat yeah so and we see it's not like it's very interesting to see like we don't see we don't see all the details of this there is a walrus in his like pool dead at the bottom of this at the bottom of the pool. It's not a walrus. It's a person who has been turned into a walrus. A walrus person. Whenever I say walrus for the rest of this movie, I mean walrus This person. is a real movie, by the way. We're not, like, <laughs> making this up. What if we were just high and, like, describing a movie we just made up? Um, there's a walrus person at the bottom of the pool who I guess presumably drowned or drowned himself, whatever. Um, and then we also learn from Guy Lapointe that, like, people have been found with their arms sewed to their bodies and their legs cut off. And no teeth. And no teeth and, like, messed up faces in a way that we know at this point, oh, they were turned into walruses and then unturned? Yeah. So maybe they were... Maybe he... Howard Hughes or Howard Howe successfully killed them or they died in surgery. Like we were talking about, maybe uh, he only has a few walrus suits... So he has to because there's a lot of extra disassemble skin them there, right? Basically, like, he disassembles them, yeah. and then loses the body. Picture this walrus person also like it's all they're like Franken walruses, yeah. Like it's not like he has a nice, neat walrus suit that then he just sews people into. It's like a patchwork quilt of flesh. It's bad. It, it does like not look like a walrus, in my opinion. It's a it's a hideous like. Beast. monstrosity yeah so anyway they they fight in walrus combat yeah and just as long does kill him mm-hmm. he's the successful uh, mr tusk and i guess howard howe is very happy about it before he dies he is because he's like this is the finally mr tusk has like won 
Yeah. Because they have a lot of snuggle sessions, too. There's points where uh, Justin Long, as a walrus, is, like, chilling, and Howard Howe is, like, snuggled up next to him, like, oh, my best friend. They have, like, their own little moments. Yeah, yeah. So I think he did kind of end up feeling like he really was Mr. Tusk and actually, like, beat him. Yeah. Yeah. But Guy Lapointe and Ellie and Teddy arrive too late to... Well, they were already way too late. Too late to save the walrus, this, but, uh... Too late to save... Like, they were seconds too late to save Howard Howe, but why would they want to? That guy's a psychopath. Question him. Uh, (laughs) And instead of killing him, uh, Justin Long, Wallace, as... Walrus Wallace. Clearly, clearly he should. Yeah. To put him out of his misery. Guy LaPlante has a gun, and he, like, goes to shoot him, and Allie is like, don't murder him! And it's like, oh my god, who would want to be alive? Like we get a we get a one year later epilogue where Wallace is living as a walrus, Wallace the walrus, in the Manitoba Animal Sanctuary. And here's my question: Teddy and Allie come to visit him and bring him. What fish. was that conversation like with the people who run the Manitoba Wildlife <laughs> Rescue? <laughs> like, were they like, "Yeah, this is a walrus," and when they were like, "It's clearly not a walrus; that's a person in a also, walrus." Suit. Also, why would a walrus be living in our like middle of Canada like preserve? It's just so. It's like they were like, "Hey, so um, our friend got turned into a walrus. We don't want to kill him for some reason." We'd like him to stay alive uh, in this hell suit that he's wearing. So can he, like, live here and eat fish? And they were like, yeah, probably. Like, no! What on earth? I guess Manitoba is on a lake. And he can't talk anymore, right? His vocal cords have been, like... No, his tongue is cut out, and all his teeth are removed, and he has the tusks in his mouth, so... But he doesn't even seem to try to be talking. He just screams. He does. He screams a lot. He screams. And that's Tusk. That's it. I I have a lot of questions and thoughts. <laughs> um, I have a question, Kevin Smith. For number one, how dare you? It's really fucked up, but it's not like it's a pretty well made movie. Yeah. And no, especially in the second it. half, I think that you nailed it when you said like it's not scary, but it's not it's not stupid, I guess. The 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 premise is so out there, but once you kind of buy in, you it's buy in, yeah. it's pretty interesting. And I think that like it's I don't know. I think it would be a more interesting movie, and we can talk about this because maybe you disagree. Mm-hmm. I think it's a more interesting movie if it's totally rewritten and reframed from Guy Lapointe's perspective, and it's about one rogue detective's uh, quest to find this serial killer. Because we see a few flashbacks throughout that I think frame it pretty interestingly. But I don't give a shit about Justin Long, and I don't give a shit that this happens to him because he's fucking sucks. I he kind of deserves this to happen to him. I agree, and I don't think the movie disagrees. I don't think the movie is making any kind of commentary on whether or not we should be sad about Justin Long. The movie, one, I don't I don't agree with you because I don't think Guy LaPlante should uh, be the star of this movie. Like, he is perfect where he is as the third act kind of, like, character the who ringer, comes in. Yeah. yeah, like, he's just more interesting as an addition to the rest of the characters. Sure. I don't... Because this is the thing. We have said already that Johnny Depp is not doing this as a joke, but he is funny. Yeah. And he's and it, if he were the main character, it'd be a little too, like... It'd be like a silly version of, like, Murder on the Orient Express. Who's yeah. that guy again? Kenneth Branagh. Who, who does Kenneth Branagh play? Who's the detective that he... 
He's like the the famous Hercule Poirot. Yeah, Poirot. Like imagine Poirot, but like ridiculous, and that's what this movie would be if Hercule Poirot was the main character. And it's just a it little too bad? silly. I think it's just a little too silly, and it wouldn't be what this movie was. I think here's the problem: is that it lacks emotions for me because they don't. I especially don't give a shit at all about Wallace or Teddy. And I think that Allie, she gets one big dramatic... She gets two dramatic monologues. One to Wallace about how he's changed. And then, like, one into the camera zooming in on her face as she cries about why she uh, appreciates cheating on him because Wallace is cheating on her and how Teddy saved her. There's three monologues. Because then there's the last one also. about Which is actually... What I'll say about this movie is that I think what could be better about this movie is that it's way too heavy-handed, and I think the most interesting kind of weird movies like this are really weird movies that just do their weirdness and don't try to give you a reason for it, whereas Kevin Smith, I think, in this movie is very clearly asking in big, bold letters that are flashing really loudly, what is humanity? What does it mean? Because the last, like, minute of this movie... There's a, all the flash. I think all the flashbacks from like Justin Long's flashbacks are all about Allie, aren't they? Yeah. They're all just like her talking to him in bed, which I actually kind of think is interesting. Yeah. Because it's I, what like, matters to it's, him. Yeah, it's it's what matters to him, and it's just talking. It was there was a very theatrical element to that about the monologues where they're just laying in I mean, bed. Let's be frank. That's also. You know, you haven't seen other Kevin Smith movies. That's all Kevin Smith movies are, just people talking. Like, well, but, that's all he does. But in this movie, there's a lot of action. Yeah. And then this was just talking, which I really liked. And it was just their communication. And we learned things about them through that, which I which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of experience with Kevin Smith, but, like, I liked this part of it. Uh, and I really... The, the, the part at the end is she's talking about how... Was it her grandfather... Talked about how crying, she, she went to her grandfather when her grandmother died and he was crying and she was trying to comfort him. And he says like, no, it's okay. Crying is what makes us human, is what separates us from the animals. And the last shot of the movie is that they go see Wallace in his little pen and they throw him a fish and he's eating it. And their Allie is trying to connect with him on a human level. She's trying to like use his name and call to him and she's saying, I still love you. And he is not really responding. He's doing his, like, walrus shout at her. But it, but not in a way where you see any emotion. Like, he seems like an animal. But then he he cries. Like, as they walk away, you see a tear fall down his, so, his face. I don't disagree that the heavy-handedness is the worst part. Uh, the, the sequence you're describing, I took as a joke. I thought it was supposed to be, like, a funny, self-aware kind of thing. Rather than an actual... Because, like... Howard Howe is obsessed with the idea. He keeps saying that, like, humans are bad and walruses are majestic and noble creatures. And who wants to be a human? Because walruses are so much better and humans are monsters who hurt each other. Yeah. And, like, I don't think this movie is actually seriously invested in that question. I think it's presenting it as a, like, uh, a hyperbolic fringe thing that this villain believes and so when it asks the question at the end of like oh so crying is what separates from is the animals is he a person or is he a walrus it's it's a joke it's a weird joke you but I think may it's a joke. be coming at this from a kevin smith perspective maybe though, because i'm not and it did not come across as a joke to me at all probably because Allie's never a joke ali is yeah. never a joke she is set up as a wronged woman uh when he calls her he is like serious you yeah. know she only ever, like, loves him and wants to save him. And so when she is, like, 
at the end calling for him. Like, I couldn't see any humor in that. I'm not arguing that it works, but I, th- it feels... I- this movie takes itself seriously enough. It wants you to buy in to its premise, but it's it's never too removed from the irony for me. Like, there is an irony undercurrent to all of this, that it's not... It's a movie about, like, a serious horror movie about, like, what would happen if there was a guy who turned people into walruses. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not not stupid in its, like... I don't know. I think it knows. I think it knows that asking a que- the question of, like is man truly a walrus at heart is stupid. That's not the question that I'm talking about. No, but it's, it's, it's a parallel question because that's the question that Howard Howe is asking is, is, is about like the, the nature of humanity and the, the line between animals and humans. I don't think this movie is asking the same question as Howard Howe. I don't think that they're interested in the same things from a thousand foot view. I just can't tell then because I, I don't think that there's anything ironic about the last scene. Okay. That, at least not to me as, again, a Kevin Smith novice and as someone who has no context of him as a filmmaker. Like... I don't think you need that... I don't think you need that context to interpret it the way that I'm interpreting it, but Okay. It's... I just... I don't think... I don't interpret it that way then. I mean, it's not soppy because I think one of the... Actually, one of the best things about her monologues, at least to my memory, maybe... Correct me if I'm wrong. There isn't any music... So the end kind of plays, there's nothing really playing on your emotions. Like yeah. the way that you can have really bad dialogue and put a song behind it and all of a sudden it sounds like really emotional and sweet or whatever. Like this is all you have is dialogue and what you're seeing. Yeah. And I just, I guess I just couldn't interpret it and interpret any irony or like. Maybe. Winking, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. I have another question for you. Okay, what? Howard Howe talks about... He says he tells many stories. My My 1A is that, are these stories true? Not that it matters, but are these stories true? Mm-hmm. Did he live this interesting life full of adventures, meeting Ernest Hemingway and being on the beaches of Normandy and such? Uh, and 1B is, he tells a story about being an orphan in... Montreal. Oh shit! Uh, I'm a about group all called of this. the Duplessis Orphans, which is real. I looked it up. It's like an actual historical thing that happened, where a bunch of orphans in the care of the Catholic Church were turned over to mental hospitals because it was more profitable for them to be mental patients rather than orphans, and they were sexually abused by. I just remember that this movie has it based on a true story. Yeah. In front of it, and this is the part that's true, yeah. right? Um, and he was sexually abused. Uh, by members of the Catholic Church as well as the workers at the mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, as the students of serial killers that we are, this feels like a plausible serial killer origin yes. story. It actually reminds me of Creep. So the question is, like, is it... Yeah, like exactly like Creep. Like, it reminds me is of... this real or is this part of his tall tales? You know what, Evan? <laughs> this is a bigger question because normally... I am the number one person who's like, is it real? Did it really happen? And I think I was like that during Creep, where I was kind of taking everything he said at face value and believing him, or believing the things that I wanted to believe because they made sense to me. Mm -hmm. But I am suddenly in your usual seat of it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I'm suddenly, like, feeling that way with this, but, like, I, I think that he was the kind of person who... 
I can I can believe that these things happen to him because like he's old, so he came from a different time. I would believe the Ernest Hemingway stuff. I would believe the Normandy stuff. I'd believe all of it. The Mr. Tusk bit. Mr. Tusk bit. I'd I'd believe the orphanage stuff because it it is a really good um not good origin story. It's an origin story that makes sense because what we know about serial killers is often that they were abused and sexually abused and all these different things. And it's and it makes it like that much more Canadian. It's like a piece of Canadian history. Yes, yes. Know? But that being said, he is so psychotic. He's like so manipulative. And the way like, that he actually, I think this is the part that I find the most interesting. The way that he, uh, like you talked about before, um, the way that he slips into other roles. Mm-hmm. I would believe that he falsifies a lot. Yeah. And that there's an element of him, oh, we're getting back into the humanity thing of like, what is he as a person? Does he even have a history? Like, what what is real about him? Does he even remember what's real about him? Like, Mm -hmm. he's so beyond what a regular person, even serial killers who are terrible but still retain that weird piece of humanity that makes them like, you know... He's so beyond that, that I would believe that none of this had happened to him. And that he was just a person who grew up and... Lost his mind. Lost his mind and became someone completely different. And that plays into my fun Bifrost thing of, like, he's not... He's something otherworldly, right? Like He's he's, from Jotunheim? Yeah. (laughs) He's Odin. (laughs) Uh, He's just like a... I don't know. He's... He's a cryptid. (laughs) Like, I don't... I don't know what about him is, is real or not real. Like, and I don't know that it matters. Did you like this movie? I actually feel like I liked it more as we talked about it. Yeah. I feel like when we started this episode, I was like, it was bad and it was gross and I can't tell if I liked it. And now I'm like, no, I really liked a lot of it. It was bad and it was gross, but I kind of like it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, if you have any medical gore triggers at all, this is a nightmare of a You film. know what? 10,000 points for originality. Yeah. I have never seen anything like this. Except for maybe the human centipede, and, which isn't even this interesting. Which is not a movie. Like, it, it, uh, <laughs> human centipede. Again, like, that movie is disgusting and also bad. This movie is just disgusting. And there's a lot of other horror movies that are just disgusting. And, like, have something to say and are interesting. Yeah. And I think this is, like, whether or not you agree with me and you think that it's trying to ask questions or whether or not you agree with Evan and you think that it's, like, kind of all just a big snickering joke. joke yeah. Uh like I don't know that it's yeah. it's good either way I think honestly it's not the best movie in the whole world but I'm it's glad I came up on the doing something I like that we disagree about it in a Semantic in a way in a way terms, that doesn't yeah. matter yeah like I think it's fun that we have these two different readings of it I think that means it's a good movie I think that actually speaks to it being like better you know because we can have these opposing viewpoints but it, either way it doesn't really matter you know what I mean yeah there's the poster quote a good movie no screaming podcast <laughs> Are you ready to defeat this in ritual combat and gore it with our tusks? Yeah, absolutely. Then why don't you pull up that roulette and hopefully we don't get yoga hosers. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny? It'd be wild. So for those who don't know, Yoga Hosers is also on Netflix, is a spinoff of this movie about the convenience store clerks played by Lily Rose Depp and Harley Quinn Smith. It is the last um, alphabetically on Netflix, which I always think is funny. So every time we spin the roulette, we have to look at it. Yeah. I actually, like, when you said that was the one, I was like, wait a second, it's been on Netflix for two years because I know that because I look at this list all the time. How about you spin that roulette? Our next movie will be... (laughs) The Disappointments Room. (laughs) 
Wait. I have to check if it's still on Netflix. This movie makes me laugh so... I've never seen it. But the name makes me laugh so hard because it specifically reminds me of a meme. It just really makes it sound like... Uh, you know, does everyone remember the um, Hello Naughty Children meme? It makes me, <laughs> reminds me of Hello Naughty Children or uh, Naughty Children Go to the Disappointments Room, which is probably what this movie's about. I don't know anything. Um, there it is. It's still here. Don't look at the... T- I don't, don't look at it. I don't. I really don't know anything about it except that it came out. I guess last year. I think. I don't know. I think it was last year. I remember seeing the trailers for it, but I don't remember anything about it except that there's probably a room that's disappointing. I hope the movie isn't disappointing. It probably will be. If it's a horror movie that came out last year and it didn't, we didn't hear about it. Yeah. It's probably bad. <laughs> well, you heard about it. You internalized your meme. It's meme status. It was actually just came up on my time lap. I was talking about it the other day. Um, I. I'm not excited, but I think it might be fun to make fun of. That's I'm my, looking forward to it. Fingers crossed it'll be fun to make fun of. Your meme enthusiasm has me excited. It might be the best thing about this movie is my meme enthusiasm. Until next time, you can always meme, check us out on... Meme our... enthusiasm? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Until next time, you can always check us out on our website at NowScreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at NowScreaming. Leave us a review. Uh, be sure to share us with your friends. Share us. Yeah, we're a commodity. <laughs> we're a hot commodity. Hot commodity. Share us with your friends. We're shareable. Thank you, as always, to Wes Craven for knowing how to blend humor and horror in a way that I won't say is unparalleled because there's people who do exclusively that, but yeah. Wes Craven like knows how to make a horror movie fun and like laugh out loud funny Yeah, in a way that I really Without appreciate. Without really ever taking away from it as a horror movie. Yeah. Because there are really funny parts of Scream... But I would never be like, oh, Scream's a horror comedy. Yeah. It's just horror, but it also has really good quotable lines that are funny. It's very funny. All yes. right. It's almost October, everyone. So until Ooh. next time. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay spooky October. Ooh.